I'm Josh Boaz. I'm Matt Zucker. There are a lot of podcasts featuring top executives. But what about the next wave of leadership? The makers and the doers. The ones we're all going to work for. We wanted to meet them. Find out their story, how they got to where they are, and what they see coming for everyone. This is a spotlight on those on the way up. This is Rising. This interview was recorded remotely on May 21st, 2020, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. We're here with Ashley Laporte, Director of Integrated Marketing at 7th Generation. I know Ashley because she worked on our team at Profit as a rock star strategist and an engagement manager, and I was even, for a few months, her coach. Ashley left me, though, for the client side, where she became Digital Marketing Manager at Burton Snowboards. And later, she joined 7th Generation, where she's been a huge impact, including that killer campaign during the State of the Union last year. I texted her and was like, this was your team? And she's like, it was. Excited to talk to her about her career, and especially she, why she thought being a management consultant was so evil. Welcome, Ashley. Welcome, Ashley. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> cool. No, we're, we're excited to talk to you, too, because I, I would love to hear a little bit about your trajectory, because it has, you know, you have one from going both on, on the agency side as well as different kinds of clients. So I'd love to get that perspective about how you made your choices. So maybe just give us a quick highlight of what you did when. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so yeah, I graduated um, from Harvard in 2010, and I'd studied English and American literature when I was there. Um, when I first, when I first got into undergrad, I was rowing on the crew team. Um, and after a little while I stepped away from that and was trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to fill my time. Because if you've been an athlete, um, for the majority of your life, and then all of a sudden you have all this free time, I was trying to figure out what to do. And I stumbled upon Harvard student agencies, um, which is really, it's a student run series of companies, um, uh, across the campus. So, there's part of Harvard student agencies that is um, like a dry cleaning business for students on campus. And the part that I joined was let's go travel guides, um, which I don't know if it, oh, they're famous. Certain, yeah, right. So like a certain age group of people knows, knows what let's go is probably not Gen Z, but um, yeah, I joined the let's go team. And because I was studying English, I thought editing travel guides was what I was going to want to do. Um, and it was really interesting. My first book was Thailand. Um, and you know, obviously reading about people's travels, student travels on a budget over Thailand was amazing, but it turns out I'm not a great editor. Um, and I, I, I lost patience with that. So I ended up joining the business side of let's go and working closely with the publishers, um, online and print publishers who were publishing the book. And I really loved that. And we were doing some interesting stuff at the time because Let's Go was starting to lose relevance. Lonely Planet was entering the mix. Um, and so I wouldn't have called it this at the time, but we were definitely doing some cool branding work and thinking about like what's our positioning um, in the market, obviously, as a student-run um, budget travel guide. So after sort of dabbling in that for a little while, upon graduation, trying to figure out what I was going to do and having zero business experience... Um, an alum suggested that I check out management and consulting. Um, and I joined Profit, which is where I met you, Matt. And That was uh, your first job? My first job. My first but you were job. so smart. Well, that's funny because I think it depends who you ask. So you, you got me, I think, like three years in or something. Um, my first days, it was, cert- it was like boot camp. It was business boot camp. I remember <laughs> joining... 
Uh, I remember joining my first client meeting and all I had to do was a phone call. And all I had to do was like dial into the conference call. That was all I was asked to do. That was the job. And it was I, like, I couldn't figure it out. Like I had to start three times. I was so nervous. Um, but as you know, Profit has this really cool apprenticeship model and they take on a lot of kids out of, out of undergrad who... Um, we call them people now. That's cool. Because at the time, <laughs> I really felt like I was a kid. Um, a lot of people out of out of undergrad and sort of teach by by doing a lot of it was about just you know getting on projects and um picking up picking up work and figuring it all out so i didn't know what a deck was at the beginning but um throughout my time there i worked on some really cool brand positioning projects um a lot of customer experience work and was a member of the of the strategy practice i was a general strategist at the beginning um, and that was amazing. And then probably, yeah, about three, three years in, I think it was in 2013, Chan joined Profit, Chan Su, Chan Su. Su um, who is the, uh, joined and, and built our digital practice, um, chief digital officer. And he sort of built the practice half by hiring amazing talent in like Matt, who had deep digital experience and then half by, um, plucking, you know, strategists from the existing, um, the existing business within the firm and training us. And it was really cool. Um, it was clear to me that, you know, with all the client work that I was doing on customer experience and brand positioning, that digital was the future of everything marketing. Um, and so I wanted to learn about it. I just was curious. And it was amazing because I was jumping in on some of the first digital transformation projects that the firm was delivering. And we were building the IP at the same time. So like half of our time was spent capturing and codifying the best practices that we were learning through the work. Um, and the other half of the time was just like jumping in with some big Fortune 500 companies um, and and helping them through digital transformation and digital customer experience work. And how did you keep uh, evolving your skills during this process? Was it just on the job or did you do anything intentional on your own? Yeah, so it's a great question. I'm now forgetting... The, so I, I definitely learned a lot of it on the job. So a lot of it was um, Chan and the staffing team being really smart, um, putting me on projects with Matt and putting me on projects um, with a woman named Dari, who was um, at the firm at the time and had a, a ton of digital experience and just watching them and learning from them. Um, and I also was sort of taking classes on the side. Um, I can't remember that like through Coursera or um, classes like that, trying to understand um, really what digital marketing was. I think, um, you know, that's actually why I ended up leaving the firm after a little while, which was that I was sort of learning a lot of this philosophically um, and through client work, but I, I wasn't actually hands-on like launching digital campaigns myself. Um, and so it became clear to me pretty quickly that like understanding how to write a really good creative um, brief and how to actually place a, an ad on Facebook and um, actually, you know, doing um, strategic copywriting for SEO value um, as opposed to talking about SEO philosophically was going to be really important to sort of take this beginning knowledge that I had um, and turning it into something that would be more impactful. So what was it like when you went, you went to Burton snowboards then? Yep. Yeah. So I moved back to Vermont where I'm from. I joined Burton snowboards, which um, is still a private privately owned company by the original founders. 
And, um, I know, I know snowboarding really well. Um, and so I, it was really easy to sort of take all of my consumer, um, research knowledge and then apply that with some firsthand knowledge and understand, um, where they as a business were going. I joined the team that is the direct to consumer marketing team, um, digital marketing team at Burton. And so our primary job was driving, um, conversion on Burton.com, um, through, digital advertising. And uh, it was it was a big change. I mean, it was going from sort of building capability decks and strategic best practices to like actually having to place ads. One of the first things um, I did there was help launch uh, the Burton.com blog and the Burton Girls blog. Burton Girls has, has been um, sunsetted since then. But, um, you know, standing a CMS up from scratch and then, you know, building... Um, I had learned at Profit and, you know, and work with, with Matt around like building strategic content pillars. But now I was doing all of that, you know, bringing that um, strategic thinking over from consulting, but then actually having to write the brief to the copywriters, you know, against those content pillars to build long form content for the blog and drive SEO value. Um, and I learned some really important lessons. Like one of the, <laughs> one of the big mistakes we made, um, which I think Burton has since, has since fixed is that we built the CMS system and the blog completely separate from the Burton.com site. So all the SEO value that we were bringing in wasn't actually driving traffic to <laughs> to where people were buying. Um, and it was it was a good, you know, that that's probably embarrassing to say, but, um, yeah, but you, you learn that once. You only yeah. have to learn that once. <laughs> yeah. You learn that once when you're sort of like, wow, we're bringing in incredible traffic to this separate website. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of learning and stops and starts like that. But you know, Burton's a place that like is really cool because you get to try new stuff all the time. They're setting they're on the forefront of setting trends. <clears throat> um and so I got a lot of hands-on experience just trying different stuff. And then at some point along the way, um a really similar role opened up at Seventh Generation um to lead the digital team there. And what was cool about the role when I read it, I could tell right away is that it would be a lot more around brand building versus selling. Um, and I miss that. Like I miss thinking about brand positioning and messaging and, um, and, and overall customer experience. And, you know, at seventh gen, we don't sell anything direct there. You can't buy anything direct from, from our digital properties. And so, um, you know, I took this role at, at seventh gen where a lot of it was around using digital marketing for brand building. Um, and that quickly sort of evolved. Um, and then I took on the current role that I have now, which is I lead our integrated marketing team. Um, we own all the consumer facing communications for the brand. Um, we don't do e-commerce, um, but pretty much everything else. So all the advertising. It's a really cool role because it's not just campaign building and advertising. It's a big part of it. But we also oversee the marketing technology stack. So, um, you know, our customer relationship management system, our CRM. Um, we oversee the website, both the front and back end development of it. So the full tech stack. And then we also oversee what we call our community team. Um, and it's the team that really cultivates and harnesses the people who interact with and buy from our brand. So it's the consumer care team that picks up the phone and answers emails when people call in with questions. Um, and we also have an online community of 450,000 parents, mostly moms. Um, and so we have a team that, you know, manages that community, gives them great content and sort of moderates the conversation there. Um, 
so yeah, it's a it's a pretty incredible job that pulls from all those experiences that I've had before around building brands and building digital so Ashley, did, you, did you have was this intentional i mean these things all sound like they build on each other but did you did you plan this out what you wanted your path to be when you go back to i don't know harvard student agencies or your first job in profit like what did you did you know what you wanted i'd like to say like no it's all a journey um but <laughs> like that's it's not really the i'm 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 pretty intentional and and um I think most of the moves that I've made, I've thought a lot about them. I know Matt, I mean, I've, I've called Matt up several times. Matt's an important mentor in my life to ask for career advice. Um, and I usually come with a lot of different considerations about um, what I want to learn next and what I think I can bring to the table. Um, but I usually ask a lot, of, a lot of different people for advice and then make a conscious decision. So you know, I, there's no way I knew when I was studying English in undergrad that I wanted to, um, I wanted to work in a mission driven business based in Vermont selling laundry product. But I do think that the intention for me was learning about branding, brand building and profit, wanting to get some more hands-on experience. Um, and then being able to see opportunities along the way where I can sort of bring the experience that I've had in the past, um, but get some really cool new experiences that I can add to my toolbox along the way. And did the move to Vermont, was that, was that like, did you have the job set first or did you say hey, like personal reasons, I want to go back to Vermont and then I'll figure out my career later? Like how did the, that sequencing happen? It was much more about my career and the experiences. And I think I mean, that's the benefit when you're in your early 20s and completely unencumbered, right? Like I didn't have a family. Um, I mean, I have a family, but I didn't have, you know, I don't have a partner or kids. Um, so I was looking everywhere and anywhere. I mean, I was considering jobs in California, um, considering things um, in the Midwest, in Michigan and in Detroit. And then, um, yeah, and then this popped up. And I think the move from New York to Vermont is probably really tough <laughs> if you're a New Yorker and have never um, lived in Vermont, but I'd lived here before. So I knew what I was, what I was getting into. Um, so yeah, that's, it was. We always ask about um, business school. Do you have any opinions pro or con? Cause you, you've not done it, right? No, I haven't. Um, well, it's hard. Everybody's experience is very individual. So I think it just, it depends for me. I really have loved learning by doing and profit showed me that I could learn by doing. Um, that's the apprenticeship model that Profit really runs is um, basically saying like, oh, if you want to learn that, you should throw yourself into a project team and learn that. Um, that you, you get some training, but it really isn't like sitting in a room and learning from a course book or a training module. It's sort of like get your hands dirty and, and try you know pitching projects for that practice or try working on a project. And so... I watched a lot of people leave and go to business school and either come back to profit or leave and go to business school and go try something else. And in some ways, I think that my move to Burton to get more hands-on experience, I talked about it a lot, like my like that would be my business school. I think at the time I thought, oh, you know, I'll go, I'll go do that. I'll go get that hands-on experience and I'll go back to profit or I'll move back to the city and work at an agency. Um, and then things sort of just evolved as as they did. But I, I don't have plans to go to business school. And if I could do it over again, I probably wouldn't go because um, I've been really thankful to be building my network in the way that you might in business school, but through doing real work um, and collaborating with people um, 
and learning that way. And do you still do outside learning? Are you still doing like the Coursera kind of stuff at, at you know, different level? It's a good question. I mean, um, it's fine. I think the, I didn't realize that we'd talk so much about learning by doing. I guess that's a theme I'm realizing. Um, but a lot of what I'm learning right now is through trial and error and trying new stuff. So, you know, we're working on... Um, we're working on uh, putting the campaign together heading into the fall general election. Um, Seventh Gen super committed to climate justice and equity and climate progress. And we know that one of the most important things right now, um, as we're using our, our voice as a business for good, is to help turn out the vote this fall. Um, and there are some really cool digital tools out there to help make it easier for people to vote. And those aren't necessarily new. What's new going into this fall is that we know that voting is going to change um, really dramatically. So you, all we have to do is sort of look back at what happened in Wisconsin to understand that we're going to have to sort of approach um, how we exercise our democracy and our right to vote in a very different way. Um, and so we're supporting vote by mail as a solution. Um, we've signed on to the People's Bailout. Um, and are really supportive of, of all of those principles, including one that says um, we need to de- protect our democracy while we protect ourselves. How, how have you had to adapt your skills or your leadership style post-corona? You know, I know it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress for everyone, but anything differently you've had to do as a, as a business leader, as a marketer? I mean, se- seventh generation is a place that really values its people. Um, I think that's been a theme from from the different places that I've worked that I've really valued. Um, And so we've always put our people first, but right now, I mean, that's more true than ever before. Um, I think one of the the biggest things is like trying to stay super connected with, you know, I have a pretty big team with all the folks on my team remotely. Um, And so, you know, it's the little things like being on video chat, but it's also just, it's like reaching out on the fly and just seeing how folks are doing. Um, I'm trying to emulate what I'm seeing from the le- the other leaders inside of our organization, um, like our chief mar- marketing officer, Hanukkah Willenborg, and Joey, who's our CEO, Joey Bergstein. And, you know, every conversation that I have with them, our first interactions, our first couple minutes, are they're, they're about our personal life. They're not about work. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that work is not busy right now. And I'm sure we can talk about that. Um, you know, we sell toilet paper and disinfecting products. So we've been really, really busy. But... Um, every single interaction is a personal one. It's just sort of, how are you doing? How's your family? Um, is everybody staying safe and healthy? And then, you know, we move on from there. So that, that people piece has been, has been really important. And it's not just like altruistic and to feel good. It's very practical. So, you know, the majority of people who work at seventh generation are parents um, and have families. Our schools are closed right now. We don't actually know what the summer is going to look like in terms of childcare. And looking toward the fall, we're not really sure actually if schools are going to open again. So, you know, it's important to me to check in with folks that I actually understand as well. Like, what realistically are we going to be able to get done this week? Um, and, and put them in a good place to feel empowered and successful, even with all the other things that are going on in their lives right now. Ashley, is there anything about being a woman in your career or being a woman that's a person of color that would be helpful advice you think to someone else in their career that we don't know about? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm the best to dispel advice. So maybe I can just tell you about my personal experience and and maybe um, someone who's listening might say that that resonates with me or that doesn't resonate with me. But um, 
you know, I think one of there, there's so many different things, right? So um, it's hard to pick the thing that is the most important or the thing that should be on the on the front of someone's mind. But recently, a thing I've been thinking a lot about being in marketing and doing a lot of advertising um, is the important of re- importance of representation. And I think um, you know, good marketers out there, good businesses, good companies understand how important it is to represent their their consumer base and know that um, you know America is becoming increasingly multicultural. Women are in leadership roles. Like it's very important to be inclusive um, of all of all kinds of people. I think um, for a long time I shied away from from using my personal experience to sort of understand what what representation and inclusivity meant because it was uncomfortable and um, some of this stuff, especially you know you've you've worked in creative agencies before, can get deeply personal when you're casting um, and you're you know choosing edits and. Um, I realized uh, about a year ago, um, I'm not, I'm not only a person of color, a woman of color, but I'm also, I'm, I'm, um, like a big woman. And one of the more important, most important transformations in my like personal life and self-esteem, which led to, you know, impact to my career has been, been seeing plus size women represented in so many different ways, um, in advertising and social media. And, you know, um, I love doing yoga, for example, but like for a long time, I've been incredibly uncomfortable going to Vermont yogi classes where everybody is like standing on one toe and weighs what looks like 90 pounds. And um, I remember just starting to see big women doing yoga on social media. And that was like a game changer because I was like, yeah, that's how strong I feel. And that is what I look like in, in spandex. Um, and then I started seeing black women doing yoga and who were overweight. and. Um, that was just transformational in like how I saw the world and saw opportunities and possibilities. And so I realized like I'm in this super privileged position where I get to work at a big company that has resources that gets to hire talent into the commercials that we run, that gets to think about um, whose voices we represent. And so I was like, well, you'd be remiss not to sort of like use this as an opportunity to create stuff that you can see yourself in, that that other people can see themselves in. Um, And so you know that's been important to me to like be a little bit vulnerable and willing to put myself into my work. Um, and the, the benefits of that have been huge. I feel like I'm really proud of the the representation that we've started to show in seventh gen advertising. I think, you know, through no one's fault and incredibly good intentions, we just weren't looking for a long, looking like a brand that represented different people for a long time. And, you know, we have a long way to go. Like I wouldn't hold us up as being like the best practice, but it's talked about now, you know, our creative team talks about it a lot. We talk about it with every agency that we hire. And it's so important for us as a purpose driven business that truly cares about climate justice and equity, um, to think about all the people we represent. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's for me, how I I think about being a woman of color in my, in my role in marketing. Like it comes with some pretty cool opportunities to do the right thing for your communities. Uh, now it's time for thank you notes where we ask our guests to um, thank someone from their career past, maybe someone that opened a door for them or taught them an indelible lesson. Ashley, who would you like to thank? It's hard to pick one person. I think when I think back at Profit, um, folks like Shiaki Nishino had a huge impact on me. I mean, she is a total powerhouse. Um, and, and, and I look to her a lot around how to be a leader. Um, and then, you know, 
and my current job, I, I mentioned them earlier, but Joey Bergstein, our CEO, and um, Hanukkah Willenborg, who's our chief marketing officer, they're really important mentors in my life, um, in my professional life and in my personal life. And they always put time aside for me. So, um, you know, they're, they're certainly people that I really want to thank. But I have selected one person for my for my thank you note, um, and that's because like today, really, the future of our climate and of our democracy is on the forefront of my mind all the time, um, in in everything that's going on in the world. Um, and there's a woman named Ashley Orgain at Seventh Generation who's just an incredible mentor to me, um, and she's my good friend. Um, and I I would want to thank her. She's um, our global director of advocacy. Um, and sustainability at Seventh Gen. Um, she serves on our leadership team. She chairs our um, our foundation, and she co leads our social mission board. So she's a total boss. Um, and at the same time, she's you know serves on a million local boards um, and is a fantastic mother to her really cool son Walker. Um, and I want to thank her because she's she, like I understood and really un, and believed that businesses could do good stuff. I mean, it's hard not to have that as your belief when you work at profit and see how they treat their people and and how they what we do for our clients, what profit does for its clients. But Ashley helped me take that out of like a philosophical thing and be and make it really concrete. So she, you know, through working with her, I've like understood when you say something like a business uses its voice for good. What does that actually mean? Well, like she showed me through collaborating with her how like businesses can actually influence policymaking around um, the issues that they really care about. So we worked on this really cool project when I first joined. Um, we were fighting for ingredient disclosure um, for all home cleaning product companies. So it's kind of crazy that you no, nobody actually has to tell you what's in the cleaning products that you bring in your home. And 7th Gen voluntarily discloses, and we really believed that all companies should have to disclose, so you can't put nasty chemicals in there. Um, and so Ashley like taught me, okay, so this is how it works. Like We bring our leadership team to these meetings with key decision makers and legislators, and we tell them not only what we believe, but we show them that it's possible to actually disclose 100% of your ingredients. Because you know, companies out there will say, well, you can't, you can't do it in a cost efficient way. You can't do it and possibly still be driving growth for your business because the costs are going to be way too high. You can't be profitable. Um, and so Ashley leads the team who basically writes a lot of the, of the guidelines around showing other companies and, and, and policymakers that this stuff is actually possible. Um, and then she codifies that and she shows up and, and, um, and helps people, you know, really make a good case for making that, that change. She also hired our first ever movement builder, um, a green, a, a past Greenpeace, em, um, employee. So think about that for a second. Greenpeace goes after big corporations. We got somebody who had a really longstanding, incredible career at Greenpeace to join Unilever and seventh generation who sells laundry detergent. Um, to help us really understand a business's role in building the climate movement. Um, and so, you know, the exposure to that kind of thinking from her has been incredible. Um, and, you know, most importantly, she gives me a seat at the table. Like she has invited me to meetings and has introduced me to her network. Um, and she, you know, puts me front and center in a way that has helped me meet people. It's taught me new things. It's, um, it's pretty incredible. And I think that, you know, the last thing, is that we are very different people. I am a very like loud, 
always has something to say person. Ashley is like a quiet, influential leader. Um, and so I'm, I'm super, super thankful to her because I, I like watch how she leads and I learn a lot about a different style of leadership. Cool. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Yeah, other, Ashley. Cool. other Ashley. Yeah, I'm the other Ashley. She's the original. Uh, okay. <laughs> the original. Any, right, cool. uh, you want to do it? Maybe advice. Um, um, any, any advice you would give to kind of an up and coming, um, professional, you know, if you could go back 10 years and look at yourself and you know, sit down, uh, you know, what advice would you give, give them? Oof, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think you asked earlier, could I have predicted that this is the, that this is what's the journey I was going to take in, in my career. Um, and it's still early, right? I think so much, so much more I want to do and a lot more I want to learn. Um, and I definitely made a lot of very intentional decisions, but when I've stopped to pause and consider all the possibilities is when, um, is when I've made the best choices on what I want to do next. And so, you know, I imagine right now, um, oh, there are a lot of young people, um, who are a little bit worried about their job prospects. If you're coming right out of college or, um, thought that they might be moving on to the next thing within the next year and, and realize that this has changed everything. Um, and I guess my advice would be like, take, take that as an opportunity to consider all of the possibilities out there, things you never thought that you would do. Um, and the second part of that advice is that the best way to consider all those possibilities is to really meet people and talk to them about what they're doing um, and truly be curious about it. I, I'm not a huge fan of the term networking. It makes me uncomfortable and um, I think I'm pretty bad at it. But what I've what turned the corner for me was when I just would want to meet up with people and be like, tell me what you're doing. Like, I don't actually need anything or want anything um, out of this conversation other than to be genuinely curious on, on the cool stuff that you're working on right now. Um, Matt City at podcast was a good example of that for, for me recently where I was like, oh yeah, I could create content in a totally different way. Like maybe I should consider doing something like that next. And, um, that's my advice. Like consider all the possibilities. And then when you're doing that, just like talk to so many people outside of what you're currently doing, because there's an, there are an infinite number of cool things to do. Now it's time for top picks. This is where we share, um, a book, an app, a life hack, anything that we think our, uh, our listeners would, uh, would enjoy. Um, so Matt, why don't you start us off? So my pick this week is Cameo. Do you know Cameo.com? It's the service. It's really good for remote living where you pick a celebrity, usually a B-level celebrity from like a quirky TV show or Broadway theater or something like that. And you can send an e-card to somebody, um, and they do a custom message. So you pick your person, you pay about 40 to 300 bucks and they do a custom message for you. And you send it to you know a friend, a family member, and kind of cheer them up and stuff. It's great for birthdays or surprise anniversaries and stuff. I've done it a few times. Cool, Ashley. That's awesome. I love that. Um, I've been really getting into the New York Times podcast rabbit hole. You guys listen to that at all? Mm. Um, so it's the Times columnist. I think his name's pronounced Roos, Kevin Roos, um, and he he writes normally about the internet and. This, um, 
podcast is basically all about how you can sort of get down rabbit holes inside the internet. And he interviews a lot of people whose lives have changed for um, the good and and the worse, honestly, um, by sort of getting caught in the YouTube algorithm and um, sort of dabbling around content creation and, and on the internet. Um, and it's been really fascinating. I mean, the topics it's of that that he covers um, are fascinating in and of themselves. But there's also I'm really into the podcast the New York Times have been putting out recently, like the Daily um, and others. It's it's admittedly before listening to these podcasts, the columnists and journalists were kind of just names next to a headline. Um, and it's really cool to like hear the personalities behind these stories and to get, it's kind of like the double click into the initial article you may have read from Kevin Roos in the first place around the internet. And you sort of get the deeper story behind it. Um, and his, his, his approach to the story. So I'm really, I'm really liking it. It's a little bit dark. So mostly listen to it in the sunshine or something, but um, yeah, it's a great, great, great piece. Thanks. The rising podcast sometimes competes with some of the New York times podcasts. (laughs) Um, So my put, uh, my pick is a book. Um, It's uh, by someone named Neil Stevenson in uh, the book's called seven, uh, Seven Eves, and it's uh, it's science fiction, but it's basically a kind of like if the the concept is like oh, if the the Earth knew like something was kind of coming to happen, it and then the humanity had to kind of plan for a future like within two years and escape the Earth. And then, but I, I, why I like reading things like this is just it's you know I read so much business news and business articles and all that like now COVID news, so it's just a good way to like just decompress and, and i find like from reading science fiction you kind of like just have a clean slate and you just some of my best kind of business ideas and like you know strategy ideas and stuff come after i read even a chapter of something like this i come back and i'm like oh wow my my mind has been wiped clean because i've been thinking about you know space and now i can come back and think about how do i you know run a meeting you know it's uh, it's interesting um to get some clarity from sometimes from reading something completely different so cool that's my Very cool. great all right Ashley, thanks so much for coming on. So great to catch up with you and hear about where your career has gone. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Our theme music was created for us by Movers and Shakers, a really cool creative studio who use original music and dance to bring brands to life. It's such a fresh approach to telling a brand story, and their work really engages emotionally with consumers. In fact, they recently won a Webby. You can watch their videos for Match.com, Little Tykes, and others on their website, MoversShakers.co.